You're listening to the Hospitality on a Plate podcast, brought to you by Hotel and Restaurant Times, kindly supported by Guestline, an access company, technology solutions for the hospitality industry, presented by Cyril McAree. Hello, we're here today with Nikki Logue, General Manager of the Intercontinental Hotel in Dublin. Nikki, I suppose I've got to ask you, what attracted you to the business? That's her, it, it seems so long ago now, but um, probably my, my late dad, um, who was in the business at the time. Um, so he was, he was with Fitzpatrick's and Shannon Shamrock in, in Bunratty. And uh, I suppose, yeah, I, at a young age, seeing my dad going to work. And then I suppose we used to visit the hotel every now and again, six boys in my family. And we'd sometimes when he was working on a Saturday, he could be doing a split shift and we would go down with him in the morning at 11, go for a swim in the pool, maybe have some sausages and chips while he worked a lunch shift uh, in, the, in the lovely restaurant there. And we were treated royally between the general manager popping over and the staff and getting a chocolate bar in the shop in, in the hotel. And uh, so, uh, yeah, I suppose that was my first taste of the, 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 the business. And uh, then we'd obviously go home, my, my dad. And uh, yeah, so I, I, sort of, I suppose at a young age, I was, I was exposed to the business and saw that my dad really enjoyed it. And, and that probably gave me the first, first taste of it. Right, right. Yeah. And when it comes to, you know, a mentor, is there anybody that sticks in your mind that really, um, I suppose, embraced or encouraged you to, 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 to develop your skills in the industry? Yeah, the, you know, to be honest, I look, I look back, I, I, to be very honest, I, I don't really believe I had any amazing mentors, to be honest. I've had some great people I've worked with and some great bosses, but I haven't really had a mentor. I suppose my, my, my dad would have always encouraged me into the business and was always very supportive along the way but and as I say along the way I've met some really nice people um, that were supportive but I probably never felt that I had actually a, a mentor to be honest um, mm. and I suppose having having come to where I am today I suppose it is I, th I feel it is probably at times important to have a mentor and so therefore sometimes when I'm approached by people or whether it's through Shannon College or whatever and I'm asked to maybe guide or advise somebody I'm, I'm always thrilled to do it because I think it's it's great to be able to do that with with some people and some people that work here in the hotel. I have one particular guy from the UK at the moment. I actually worked for his dad for a number of years, so he's with us for a year on a program. So I try to keep a close eye on him and you know and his development. So and he knows that if he needs to come and talk to me, the door is open. So I think I I, I probably enjoy trying to mentor people now, mm -hmm. but um, probably didn't really have a particular mentor myself. Mm. Yeah. Probably wasn't done in the day. It probably wasn't done, no. I mean, I, had, I was on some great training programs. Like, my, my first placement out of Shannon was in Buxton in, in the UK with the Forte Hotels. You know, they were actually going through a, a transition of selling a lot of their properties. And I was originally meant to be going to Torquay, but that hotel sold, and then I ended up in Buxton. But they had a, a super training program, like very structured. And you, I remember even I had a, a sort of a booklet with every, every bit of training I got was signed off and so on. And, and that really stuck in my mind. So I felt it was very structured. Um, but uh, yeah, so I've, be, I've had some good training along the way, but um, yeah, uh, yeah. But what, yeah. as you say, I probably wasn't done that much yeah. at the time. You obviously went to college. You went to the Shannon. I went to Shannon, yeah. Uh, coming from County Clare, I suppose I would have been very familiar with Shannon and its reputation. Um, I remember as a young fellow as well, being in Shannon Airport and seeing the students dressed up in their suit and I sort of thought that was a bit of a wow because it, it just seemed different for a, a college or a university that they, they were sort of in a uniform. So uh, yeah, and as I said, being for Menace, I suppose 
location-wise and reputation-wise, mm. I suppose I always wanted to, to go to Shannon. Um, I actually didn't get in the first year because I went down on my leaving cert points. So I took a year out and did a, a year of just French in Bruce College in Limerick while I worked and got the, the necessary points to get into Shannon. Um, so yeah, I got in the second go and, and really enjoyed the four years in Shannon. I think it's a great, a great college, has a great reputation, loved the mix of academic as well as practical in year one, placement in year two, academic in year three and then out on placement again in year four. So um, yeah, really, really enjoyed Shannon. And I suppose probably because I started working at a young age of 13 in a hotel in Ennis and various bars in Ennis, I had a pretty good amount of experience going into Shannon. So it sort of stood to me on various placements. So when I went to my second year placement in Switzerland, I suppose I was in there as a barman, but I actually ended up becoming the bar manager. Um, so I sort of progressed pretty quickly. And in my fourth year in Shannon, I was in, in, in Buxton, as I said, and I actually ended up becoming the general manager of that hotel before mm -hmm. I graduated. And again, probably because of my experience. Yeah, there's talk now that they're, they're looking at uh, introducing the likes of apprenticeships yeah. into, the, into the industry. Do you think that's a, 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 good, a good move? I think so, Cyril, yeah. I mean, I think, to be honest, something concrete needs to be looked at. I mean, I think the training in the hospitality industry here, I, I feel, has been quite disjointed in some respects. I think there's some good things happening and with SkillsNet and, and, and various things, but probably since the, I suppose, um, since CERT went, I, I think it's, it's all been a little bit mis mismatched, to be honest. Um, so I, I do think apprenticeships would probably be a good idea, how, depending on how they're structured. But I think as an industry, yeah, we, we need to relook at it and see what will actually work, what will help develop people on a structured program, you know, and whether it's with mentors or buddy systems or whatever. I think, you know, we have to probably look at a system that we can have that um, keeps people um, attracted to it, or sorry, first of all, attracts them to it, and then keeps them motivated and developed and keeps the industry upskilled. Up so mm. I, I think, depending on how it's structured, I think it's a, it's, it, it sounds like a good idea. But you think that is it, is it hard to get a buy-in from all disciplines within the sector? Like there are, you know, there are certain like hoteliers are saying, yes, good, and then the RAI are saying, well, they're not really sure about it. And, you know, how, how are you going to crack that nut? Yeah, that's an interesting one. Um, I suppose you definitely will need industry engagement. So, um, you know, I'd, I'd probably think that some operators and maybe even owners in the last couple of years are realizing that there is a shortage of skilled labor and there's been lots of challenges and, you know, there's been a lot of movement and so on. So I think people are beginning to realize you need to really focus on people and retaining people and motivating them and developing them. So I, I think you'd, you'd hope there would be an appetite at, at every level to try and bring something together. Um, but you, you know you do need the various organisations pulling, working together as well. Um, so I mean, it's, it's probably disappointing to hear that one association might not be for them. Um, but I think you need to get everybody around the table and see what 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 can actually work. Um, and maybe there's one for I don't know. Maybe there's ones for certain industries or certain skills, and then maybe there's a, a certain setup for for others. And you think that the industry, because there, again, the school of thought is that the government should pay for this. Do you think it's up to the industry to invest in their own business? I think it's probably a two-way thing. I think there has to be, I think government needs to support it. And I think in fairness, I think they would support it. Um, and they've been quite supportive to the industry, so I can't see why they wouldn't be in terms of training and development. But I, I do think also there has to be buy-in from 
industry and owners to, to put some money behind it as well. So I think it's it'll be unfair probably for all of one or all of the other to do it. But I think if you could jointly look at funding it, I think that's the way to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I say it's it's all often be said that you know people or businesses invest in the product, but not the people. Yeah. And yeah. yet people are an, an, an intrinsical part of yeah. the industry. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right, sir. I think there there needs to be more and more investment in in the people, and I think um, you know, in fairness, there has been huge investment in properties. You know, you, you just look at this country with some of the, the finest hotels all around the country, um, <clears throat> and I think, you know, I think companies are realizing that it is about the people, and if you don't have the people, you just struggle. Um, and it affects the business greatly if you, if you don't. And I think we saw that last year in particular when uh, the industry, or the last couple of years when the industry was reopening, you know, there just wasn't enough people there. Now there was other reasons for that and maybe incentives were, le- um, government incentives were maybe left too long or whatever, but, but ultimately, I suppose a lot of people did rethink about the industry and maybe got out of the industry. Some of those people now are actually coming back in and they might have gone into technology or whatever, but I think ultimately, to answer your question, I think, um, uh, you know, people have realised now that it is about the people and you have to look after them um, to try and retain them. So uh, I, 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 think, I think that focus is, is, is coming to be there. Yeah, you're part of MHL, right? Mm. Many, how many properties have you in the group now at this stage? Thir- 13 now, yeah. There was a recent acquisition of Brooks Hotel on Drury Street that was mm-hmm. in the last few weeks. So, uh, yeah, the company have 13 hotels um, spread around Dublin, Wicklow, Powers Court, uh, three in Galway, Glenlow Abbey Hotel, the Galmont, the Harbour Hotel, and uh, the Strand in Limerick. So quite a, a, a lovely mix of four and five star hotels spread around the country. Yeah, and g- like given the fact that you know it, you know there are so many the, 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 you know desperate group in the, within the groups, does that give you the ability or the opportunity to have individuality? And how you run the property? It does actually, yeah. The, the, to be honest, the ethos of MHL is that the properties are very much run individually. So this this hotel here, which I manage, the Intercontinental, um, I suppose ultimately I and the team are responsible for running this hotel. Obviously, we're a franchise hotel with Intercontinental, so we don't report into Intercontinental, but we have obviously the, the name over the door. We work the whole sales mechanism. <coughs> we have to comply with standards and are audited, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But I suppose ultimately it's trying to drive business through the brand, as they do in Powers Court and the Western. But ultimately, uh, I suppose the, the owners see it that you know the hotel is run individually. We're responsible for driving the business, the profits, um, you know, retaining and motivating the team. Um, so that individuality is is maintained. And I suppose because we're we come into the brand, I suppose there's brand guidelines in terms of Intercontinental and I suppose a lot of our, our clients would just stay in Intercontinental hotels around the world. So there is that individuality for, for sure. Mm-hmm. But then there's obviously a lot of synergies being part of a group. So in terms of, for example, purchasing, we can tie in as a, as a group of 13 hotels and, and, and um, look at economies of scale. Right. Yeah. And if you look at, you know, since you started your career, you know, you, you talked about your early days you know, in the Forte where you had the, the book and it was signed off, you know, things have changed now. Technology is becoming more and more prevalent in, in the sector. And would, would you see that as something that's beneficial or has it taken away from some of the better elements of the industry? Yeah, <coughs> I think <coughs> technology generally, I think, has been good for the industry. I suppose it's, 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 it's um, I suppose, constantly evolving, I suppose, and it depends what side of the business you're looking at. So. I suppose if you're looking at, 
for example, the room side of it and driving business. I suppose there's been a lot of advances there in terms of, you know, booking engines and so much of the business has gone online as opposed to people, you know, ringing. Um, and the whole rooms management and yield management side of it, that, that, that is a lot of that is technology based. So that's, mm. that's been very good. Um, I suppose tied in with that then our front office systems and how they operate and so on. So, um, but I think we've probably come to a certain point, but I think there's, I suppose there's always talk of more technology coming down the line. Um, um, and yeah, it's, I suppose it'd be interesting to see how it develops over the next number of years. I know certain hotels have gone probably very technology based and looking at guest check-in and how they can, you know, streamline guests having to check in at the desk. I suppose at a five-star level, we're, we're not at that yet. Um, we certainly look at some of our systems and procedures, like for example, at the moment, we're upgrading very shortly all of our key card system within the hotel. So it'll be more user-friendly, a new Salto system. So big investment there. Um, I suppose also the whole energy management side of the business is becoming quite technology-based between mm -hmm. BMS systems, business management systems, and how, how to make, I suppose, the business more and more efficient. Um, as a company, we've employed a, um, a sustainability manager in the last a couple of years, so her role tied in with the hotels is, I suppose, looking at energy efficiency and how we operate that. Um, but I suppose tied in with that as well as further investment in the plant to make sure that it's the most efficient and then tying that in with the systems to see how it can operate the most efficient. So I suppose, yeah, there's, there's all different elements of technology within, within the business. Yeah. You mentioned sustainability, and again, that's becoming more and more prevalent with the traveller. Yeah. Um, they're saying that you know, people have been uh, you know, shamed for travelling, in inverted commas, you know, the mileage they put up, but if they can offset that by going to a place that has a green mm. statement, that seems to allay that fear. Yeah. Is that something you, you have here? Do you have the green? It's something we're actually working on. We, ha we, have, we have an element of it because we have to comply with a certain element of that within Intercontinental. So mm. I suppose a lot of things within the hotel so we'd have, a, we'd have a green policy, let's say. Mm -hmm. but, I, but I think what we're looking to do as a company is to go further than that and, 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 and try and look at, um, I suppose, further advances, um, not, not just from a, I suppose, promotion perspective, which has become very important, and I agree with you. I think, finally, a lot of travellers are now looking at your green policies and your practices and sustainability. And I think more and more people will be making decisions on placing business based on that. Um, mm. And we're actually beginning to see that now that people, it's been talked about for many years, but I think finally now people are, are really tuned into it. Um, but, uh, you, know, you know, some of the things that we've had to do, I suppose, is eradicate plastic within the hotel, you know, straws, et cetera, et cetera. In all of our bedrooms now, we've eradicated the smaller toiletries. So we have the bulk amenities. Um, we have all back of house areas, obviously full recycling in terms of bins and so on. So I suppose, it, you know, they're smaller measures, but they all add up. Uh, but certainly the guest is is asking um, when they're when they're tendering for when we're put, when we're tendering for their business and their RFPs come out. There's there's now a very clear area on environmental policies, sustainability. Um, we have metrics, my HG, in terms of every month how we're reducing our, for example, our electricity usage and our action plan around that. Um, so there there is yeah there is a, there is a, a clear um, I suppose path. Our journey that we're on on that, mm -hmm. yeah, which is good for all concerned, really. It is, yeah. I look, it's good. It's good for the environment, first of all. Mm. It's good for cost base. Um, 
you know, there would, there would be, I suppose, traditionally in hotels, an awful lot of wastage. Um, and it's good that that's, that's been reduced. Um, it's good that, you know, there's a lot more recycling going on. Um, yeah, it's, 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 mm. it's good, but ultimately, yeah, it helps the bottom line as well. Yeah, well, that's, that's the important thing. And yeah. that's, what, that's what, you're, that's what you're, I'm sure your shareholders like or your, exactly. <laughs> your executives. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Guestline, an access company, leading hospitality software provider and the most mature cloud-based PMS offering innovative solutions for accommodation providers worldwide looking to streamline operations and enhance guest experiences. How, like in regard to Intercontinental Hotel, it's a five-star. How would you position it in the marketplace? Would, you know, is it leisure, is it business, or what, what is the... Yeah, um, it's, we're, 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 we're fortunate that we have, a, I suppose, a healthy mix of business. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're, I suppose, we're, we're one, of the, one of the largest five-stars in, in the city. We have 215 rooms. Of those 215, we have 50 suites. Uh, we have a very extensive... Um, conference and banqueting operation so one of our ballrooms we can do a dinner for 480 the other we can do 200 so we probably have the largest uh, not probably we have the largest um, meeting and events facilities of any of the five stars in, in Dublin um, so I suppose predominantly during the week we'd be reliant on corporate business and big conferences and incentive business we've, we have a group in at the moment from an Indian group that are with us for four days um, they're staying with us. They're out and about quite a lot. They have a gala dinner tonight in the hotel. Um, but yeah, we'd be, I suppose, a strong mix of corporate as well as leisure at the weekends. Uh, we look after a crew, so we've we've a, we've a crew with us uh, every, every night. Um, is that airline crew? Is airline crew, yeah. yeah. So flying from the US, so they've been with us a number of years. Um, but yeah, it's it's a mix of leisure, uh, corporate, conference, incentive, mm. and then we have a whole banqueting side to our business with social events, charity dinners, uh, our ground floor operation, we have we've a restaurant, we have a, a, a busy lobby, we have a spa downstairs which does very well. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a big busy operation. I suppose our unique selling point is we, we market ourselves as, a, as an urban resort. So even though we're in Dublin, we're sort of on the periphery. Um, so we have our own grounds and gardens and I suppose people feel that they're Near in the city or near the city, but you know they can pop into the city in ten or fifteen minutes. A little oasis. A little oasis, yeah. In the city, yeah. yeah. But, um, a lot of talk has been given, or I suppose has come around, with regard to rates and the cost of staying in Dublin. Is that w- warranted, or do you feel it's? Well, I think obviously, you know, a, a, there's been a lot of, I suppose, headlines at the moment in terms of price gouging, mm-hmm. and um, I think it's very unfortunate to read those headlines and I think there's no doubt that when certain events are announced or coming up uh, there is there are people or establishments that are rocketing their prices which I I would not support Um, and to be honest as a company we've had lots of discussions around this we we do not support that I think when certain events are on you expect a bit of a premium but you know hearing the stories of you know nine nine hundred to a thousand for a room and maybe a f- three or four star hotel, I think is outrageous. To be honest, um, we're we're looking at it very closely, and and our strategy really would be to look at a fair premium on key nights, but to try and tie people in in advance. Because I think what happens with a lot of these events is that people are booking rooms left, right, and centre, and and as it gets closer to the day, there's lots of cancellations. So our our strategy is to try and 
high people, people in earlier look at advanced purchase so that it's locked in at a certain price and we know that that business is on the books. And then probably as you get closer to the event and you've maybe 10, 15 rooms, yes, they probably will be at a higher premium closer to the time. Mm -hmm. But our strategy is to try and get the base business in, um, you know, offer a certain rate to get people to book and confirm and then they're locked in and ideally pay in advance. Right. Um, and I think that, that well, sorry, that, that is our strategy. But, uh, but I think, you know, some of the headlines, the figures that have, that have been quoted, I, I think are outrageous. But you think that damages tourism in a sense of, the, you know, Ireland in regard to tourism because people's perception are or is that it's too expensive to come here? It, it does, sir, yeah. I, I've, I've no doubt it, it, it does. Um, particularly, I think, if you're looking at certain sectors in the market. I mean, I think, you know, there's an expectation Okay, everybody has different expectations, but I suppose at a five-star level, people have ex an expectation they're going to pay a certain price because they're getting a certain product and a certain level of service. And I suppose the same applies to a three- and four-star hotel. So when you, when you start, when you start n really negatively affecting that in terms of charging an outrageous price and maybe not delivering on the service, that causes a lot of reputational damage. And, and that is the concern long-term. So I think it causes an issue internationally long-term and people will look at other cities because they'll get better value and uh, you know it'll, it'll ultimately affect business coming into the country and, and it affects domestically I suppose people's view on you know whether they're coming from the country to Dublin to an event they'll just decide to drive up and come back and ultimately not stay because it's just a crazy amount of money um, but I think you know business coming into the country it will cause damage and um, ultimately long term we'll lose business. And the, like the other, the other, I suppose, bone of contention is the, the refugee crisis and the, the Ukrainian crisis mm. that has taken quite a sizable amount of bedstock out of the out of the marketplace. Mm. Mm. And again, that is causing problems, you know, with yeah. unavailability. Yeah. And particularly with saying the likes of the outside of Dublin, the the, the, the regions like the Midlands, yeah. the, the sort of tourist destinations, yeah. with coach tours and that. And do you think that was? maybe not thought out by the government that they didn't really look at it? I think it could have been thought better. I think, I think, I suppose, I suppose it all happened very quickly, I suppose, in the first instance. So, that, so solutions had to be found. And I suppose the, the, the immediate solutions was for certain hotels or hoteliers and locations to, to come up with, with, with products. And, and I suppose in some cases <coughs> it suited certain properties or locations because they might have had a three or four or five month season and all, all of a sudden they've got people staying all year round so good for cash flow. I, I think it probably needed to be a, for the hotel sector probably needed to be a, sh a relatively short term solution uh, and I think a longer term solution need, need, needed and needs to be found and whether that's modular home, homes or whether it's uh, many many properties around the country that are not in use which we'd all see every day and you mm -hmm. sort of question why, why at this stage they can't be put back into use. Old guard stations, old buildings that, that could be, you know, old office blocks. So I think, I think the quick solution that was needed, um, the industry supported. Um, but I think we're now stuck in a bit of a rut where, as you said, some of those locations, um, the hotels are still out of use. And uh, ultimately, you know, industries associated with those or would be reliant on those are, are being negatively affected, which is not good for the industry. Um, so I think I think that that needs to be looked at pretty quickly. Mm. And obviously, the, you know, like talking about the industry and how, what it needs support-wise. I mean, there is a again the, the old VAT 
it's due to end at the end of August, mm. and the, the, the people, the industry, are looking for to be retained at nine percent. Mm. Do you think that's fair for the industry to look for that? I do, actually. Yeah, I. Um, I mean, the first thing I would say, I think, I think the government have been very supportive so far. I think throughout the whole difficult couple of years, they were very good to the industry. I think they have recognised that the industry needed to rebuild. Um, I think there was a, a little bit of a surge after COVID because there was so much business that was on hold that had been kept moving and moving and moving. And, 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 and therefore, I think probably last year, and we experienced it here, certain months were just fantastic. A sort of a tsunami of business. Exactly, yeah, yeah. And mm. uh, like we had our month last year in July was, was phenomenal. There was just so much sort of backlog of business that happened in July. And this July is a lot softer. So I think the market is beginning to, to level out, to be honest. And I think if you talk to a lot of hoteliers, everything at the moment can be quite short lead in. And, you know, even if you look to 2024, it's not that everybody is flush with loads of business on their, on, on their books. Um, and there's work to be done. So I, I think the, the, the 9% is probably the right VAT rate for us. Um, and, and certainly when you compare it to other European cities, um, you know, 9, nine sits far better than the 13.5% would, would be putting us right up there at the very top. So I actually do think that the government should make a, a, a final call on it um, and probably to give certainty because at the moment there's so much uncertainty. We're pricing and quoting for... And, and wondering if the rate is going to go up to 13.5% from September, so you've got to factor that in. Um, so I think there there needs to be some final certainty on what the rate is and that it's set. Yeah, when you say you factor that in, is that a sense that you're putting in a, a barrier or a buffer for yourself in regard to the cost? So if it comes back, yeah, will you give that back to the customer? We would. We would. We're. we're I suppose we 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 quote. I suppose a lot of business, and, and we're sort of trying to put it at the whatever the prevailing rate is at the time so but we have to alert the guests now that you know they're because uh, at the moment from september it's huge go back to 13 and a half percent so we're flagging it with guests but what we're saying is that you know should it be at nine percent obviously we'll honor the nine percent but should it be at 13 and a half percent obviously this is going to be what the rate would be um and i suppose as it stands at the moment we're, we're being told that it's only till the end of august um but no whatever the prevailing rate would be we'll obviously honor honor for the mm. the guests at the time Okay, yeah. you know, again, you speak to people in the industry and they, they will tell you, be it the IHS conference or wherever you're at, that the government don't seem to understand or really get tourism, get hospitality. And a lot of people feel, feel, feel there should be a minister for tourism, just with no other remit. Yeah. Would you agree to that? I would. I think there should be a minister for tourism. I think it's been spoken about for such a long time. Um, I wouldn't entirely agree that government don't don't get tourism I, th I think they do and I think you know certain certain ministers would have a very good understanding of the business and how it works um, and you know I would have spoken to many ministers over the years and 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 and, and sometimes even higher level and they would have a very good understanding of of the, you know the challenges and um, you know the challenges the industry has had so I I, I, th I think they do understand it however I think it would be um, wise and beneficial i think to have a minister for tourism who is just focused on tourism i suppose the the portfolio at the moment i suppose covers you know media sport and other areas but i think it's such a, a huge part of our um 
exchequer returns and revenues for the country and for business, I think, I think it would be good to have a Minister for Tourism. Yeah, because a lot of people have pointed out the fact that the current Minister, Minister Martin, that obviously her, she's a leaning towards the arts and the culture and she attends an offer of those events and isn't seen as, in as many tourism events. Yeah. That, would that be what you would consider a good observation? Yeah, it's probably, uh, yeah, it's, it's probably a correct observation. Um, I mean, obviously, she's she's very busy of late with with other uh, areas under her portfolio, but I think media, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, you know, I think it would be good to have somebody really just just focused on on tourism. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I suppose to you know to look at it, look, you know, you have a great offering here, and food is a very important element of what you do. You have Alberto, you know, the executive chef, and that. Um, in regard to younger people and attracting people. What do you think you can do or what can the industry do to make that happen? Well, I think really all of us in the industry that have been in it for quite a few years um, should really try and support the younger people coming into the industry. So I suppose whenever I'm called upon to try and assist in some way, I, I always try and oblige. So whether it's with Shannon College, um, where, where obviously I trained, um, you know, I had, I had the opportunity to become a patron with a class in Shannon and I was there. I was their sort of patron stroke mentor for five years. You know, there was about 90 out of them in the class, but you're, you're sort of with them for the journey of the four or five years. Peter Malone actually was my patron when I was in Shannon for the four mm. years that I was there. Um, so I think um, it's important for the people within the industry that can give back to give back. So whether it's, you know, going in talking to schools. Um, I know Denise, Denise Campbell, um, who's the or Denise, who's the president of the IHF, yeah. yeah. She, um, she's big into trying to, you know, start at schools and with career guidance teachers and, and asking people within the industry to support and anything like that I think we should do. Um, <clears throat> you know, if I'm approached by somebody that's considering going to college, I'm always happy to sit with them and have a coffee and encourage them in the industry and I suppose tell them how it is. And, you know, this, this is a, a great industry. And if you work hard, I always say it's the one industry you can progress really quickly in terms of position and salary and, 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 and so on. So, you know, personally, I think it's a fantastic industry. It's, I think you have to be cut out for it. And if you're cut out for it and enjoy it and put the effort in, I think you can do really, really well. Um, some people try it for a while and it's not for them, but I still always say to friends of mine and, and whose kids are maybe considering doing it for the summer or whatever, that I think it's a, it's a really great grounding to go in and experience it. And, you know, it's, it's hard work, but I think it's, it sets you up for with, mm -hmm. with some good um, um, practices and, and um, good starting ground. Mm. If you haven't got into hospitality, what do you think you might have done? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Actually, I, I, I don't. I actually don't know. Mm. Um, I don't <laughs> <laughs> At one stage, when I was young, I was a, I was a bit of a holy Joe. I, I was an altar boy, and you know, I, I wonder at times what, would I have headed towards the priesthood. But thanks for the God, I didn't. Didn't have made a good parish priest. <laughs> <laughs> I love sitting around having cups of teas and chats, yeah. so I, I probably would have done well. But anyway, <laughs> thankfully, I stayed clear of that. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, no, I have I have the height of respect for a, a lot of priests and so mm. on that do an, an awful lot of good work. Yeah. But for for communities, but I actually don't know. Sir, to be honest, I've mm. been so young in the in the industry since thirteen, so I really never contemplated anything else. Mm. Um, the one thing I probably wish I had done, but uh, there's reasons I think why it didn't happen, is to do my own business. And I'd looked at things over the years and, you know, it's funny how things work out because at, at certain times 
I had, you know, I had explored a, a couple of opportunities, but it, they, they may not have worked out mm. because of timing or recessions or various things. So um, I think things happen for a reason. Yeah. Uh, and I wouldn't rule it out that it, that it wouldn't happen yet. But um, but I really enjoy it here. And, um, you know, there's, there's, uh, there's, there's pros and cons yeah. to everything. I suppose it's a bit like, you know, grandkids and grandparents. Mm. When you can hand the kids back as a grandparent, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so like, you can hand back a property. Yeah, <laughs> that's as, true. As a GM, you Yeah, know? that's true. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Was there anything you'd like to add? Like, I mean, if, if, so, if some of the young people listen to this here, you know, mm. just to make them focus and, and give them a, an, an indication of what you have achieved, like where you've travelled to, like where have you, you've been around the world a fair bit. Yeah, you? yeah, no, I, 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 uh, I've obviously worked, um, well, I worked in Switzerland when I was doing my placement from Shannon. Uh, I worked in the UK for 11 years. Um, I had a small opportunity actually in, in one of my years in Shannon to work in Russia for a number of weeks because Erinta, who were running the college, they had a, a bar and restaurant in downtown Moscow and the restaurant manager had to come home and I was picked by Philip Smith to go out for it ended up in about six, seven weeks, which was a, uh, an amazing opportunity back in 1991, 92. Um, and then obviously I've been back in Ireland now and, and, and managed a few different hotels. So look, the, the great thing about being in the industry is, you know, th there's a lot of travel. Um, I enjoy still traveling and trying different hotels. And I suppose being in the business, it's, it's, you, you tend to get a lot of connections, whether it's an intercontinental or various places. Mm. So the one, the one good thing about this industry is people like to look after each other and you know you return the favour when you can but I suppose to young people considering it I, I would probably encourage them to, to try it if they're thinking about it and, and by that I mean maybe do a summer job and, and, and try a local bar or restaurant and see if you like it and then maybe chat to somebody who's in the business and really find out about more about it but I suppose I was fortunate and some of my brothers are in the business I suppose to, 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 to really see my dad enjoying it and, and it sort of caught on with us and then I suppose through through hard work and, and uh, maybe a bit of luck along the way my career moved up and up and up but um, you know I think you have to work hard and if you work hard you can you can do really well in the in, the, in this business. Yeah. Well I think we you know, wrap it up on that but I think it's safe to say Nicky that speaking to people in the industry you're highly regarded and respected mm. and are always willing to give mm. and that's important and mm. maybe that's what makes you the success you are. Well thank you sir yeah. Thanks Nicky. Thank, thank you. you very much. Thanks sir. You've been listening to the Hospitality on a Plate podcast, brought to you by Hotel and Restaurant Times, kindly supported by Guestline, an access company, technology solutions for the hospitality industry. Follow us on all social media platforms or hotelandrestauranttimes.ie.